0: Hey, what's up? It's Ryan Rossillo. I'm the host of The Ryan Rossillo Show on The Ringer and Spotify. We're a sports podcast. We sprinkle in some other stuff. But here's the thing about our podcast. We work in sports and we still like sports. I know. Crazy, right? But we also like to balance it out a little bit. If I've read a book that I really like, we'll have the author on. We have people from the biggest TV shows, some of the biggest people in movies, writers, actors, all of it. And of course, at the end of every single episode, 20 to 30 minutes, on life advice, which is sometimes great and sometimes it isn't, but it's always worth listening to. So make sure you listen and follow the Ryan Rossillo show on Spotify.
1: On today's episode of one shining podcast, we are trying to make sense and make the most of what we saw during feast week. A lot of people out there, they want to do winners and losers, but not here on one shining podcast. We're going to do risers, fallers, and ballers from feast week and everything in between. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, it's a manic Monday, so we got Kyle Man here on the ones and twos, and uh, we're gonna have a good time talking about everything that happened in college basketball. Unfortunately, if you're tuning in and you want to hear about our producer Kyle's, uh, you know, new merchandise from St. John's, he is not here today because our guy is on vacation—a well-deserved vacation, a break back in New York City, he's back on the East Coast. We send our love and, uh, you know, our appreciation for our guy. I hope he had a happy Thanksgiving, and we're happy that he's back with the family. But that means we have no producer Kyle so there will be no Kyle's guy today there will be no good guy there will be no bad guy there will be none of that there will be risers fallers and ballers and let's do that now but first Woody Durham Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. That is right, we are back. Feast week is over, Thanksgiving has happened, and it is a manic Monday. Kyle man, great to see you and great to be back on the microphone talking college basketball. Good to see you, man. Always, always. Thanksgiving,
0: you know, you get full of a lot of things, but I never feel too full on college basketball, as we know. We never tire of it. Tate, you're looking good. Did you get a haircut or something? You look, you look uh, groomed.
1: I'm locked in. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was here in Los Angeles for the first time for the holidays. Usually I'm in Maui or North Carolina. So I never got to have like a Thanksgiving in L.A. So I was locked in. It was a great time. I had a little Friendsgiving. It was good. Um, And then on Saturday, college football just absolutely wrecked me. You know, NC State stomped all over North Carolina in a national game. My girlfriend's a Wazoo, Washington State alum, and we watched Washington uh, break their heart, rip their hearts out. Um, Your Kentucky Wildcats, though, they were on the right side of history this Saturday. So shout out to them. Uh, And Mark Stoops is going to stay the head coach of Kentucky. So there's there's some good news on your side. My side, not so good. Your side is all right.
0: It was a tough day. It was a tough day. We, uh, you know, it was quite the roller coaster. I went. I I woke up feeling, you know, a lot of dread about playing (laughs) UFL. I was like, right, lose. And I live in Louisville, so I was just like, going to be hearing some shit for this. And then, uh, and then they win in incredible fashion. My son was trying to get me to in in the. There's a pattern here, Emir. I was telling you, I was watching a game (laughs) while he was like, "Dad, help me on the playground." Right. Quiet son. You know, Marquette's (laughs) playing uh, is playing uh, Kansas here. And uh, I don't know. They won, and then I was just kind of on my phone. It was it was coaching. Coaching carousel nights are just like you step back and you're like, oh shit! I've been on Twitter for like six hours. You know, yeah. it's like texting with friends. Oh, I heard this. You heard this.
1: Sending tweets back and forth. Is this guy reliable? Uh, you're sending message board posts. You're doing flight tracking. I mean, there's a whole lot of back and forth. But it sounds like at the end of the day, Mark Stoops got kind of soft launched as the head coach at Texas A&M. <laughs> you the got pianoed. Yeah. And then the AM fans went absolutely apeshit about the whole idea of it. And then he said, just kidding. I love Kentucky. I will be back, at least for the time being. And then they hire Mike Elko from Duke, who is actually a uh, less, um, you know, you would think less qualified coach when it comes to Texas yeah. A&M. But they seem to be more excited about him, even though they ran him out of town after he was the defensive coordinator there for three years. I don't really get how it works as far as like the PR, the headlines, the splash of a hire but college football kind of took over the weekend a little bit with sort of the, you know the the coaching carousel to say the least and uh but for us we got to talk about you know college basketball and what really makes our heart flutter and you know let's start there because a lot of people want to do winners and losers we're done with that we're not doing winners and losers we're doing risers and fallers and we're also talking ballers let's start with the number 1 riser which is Purdue and i think that is really the conversation when it comes to college basketball right now. How do we stop Zach Eady? Um, Everyone in Maui tried a different philosophy. Gonzaga said we're not going to double him. Um, you had teams trying to dig at him. You had teams trying to throw him different looks. Let's just start there. Like Kyle, man, as you watch Zach Eady, is he an unstoppable force at this point? Like, is it inevitable that that Zach Eady is going to basically run college basketball this year?
0: There's certain things that you're gonna have to um, level. There are levels of survival you have to kind of be willing to accept to get past Purdue. Um, you know, in the past four years, his four seasons at Purdue, they've been either number one or number two. The past two, they're number one in post touches right now in the country at like almost 19 percent of their their touches. Last year they were number one. The year before that they were number two, and then in the in his freshman year they were number two. They've always had a big guy like this. You and I have discussed this before. This is the Matt Painter thing. He likes to have a big behemoth and he's he sourced those he has the leonard hamilton he has the leonard hamilton kind of quality where he he just sources these big guys i don't i don't know how he does it but um the big thing for them is you know that they haven't det- you know gone away from that at all i don't know why you would he's seven foot four he has a couple really just basic post moves he's got that like Passing has evolved a little bit, but he's just kind of got that baby hook, and yeah, it's hard to stop. If he gets low and he buries you on the block, um, it's effective in the regular season setting. I guess the question for them has been, how much can the things around him improve? You know, because against FDU last year, um, they went cold. They obviously had some freshman guards that FDU felt like they could sp- speed up and pressure. I really thought this weekend. Um this past weekend, you know, at Maui, um, I don't want to reach too far back, but um, I thought that Marquette on paper you know, seem like a team that would be able to do kind of what they did to Kansas, uh, speed them up. and the but, the but the big, not to porky pig myself there, uh, <laughs> the big difference there is uh, Marquette's guards are better than Kansas guards. I think Marquette has some of the best backcourt depth in the country. Crazy speed, crazy movement shooting, great passing. Um, I thought they would stress Purdue. Purdue withstood that. I thought that was the most impressive thing because if you look at what happened to them, um, Marquette is probably, I don't know, would you say, they don't play like at the crazy pace you would think they do. Um, Would you say Marquette has probably the strongest backcourt in the country? Who's in, I mean, Kentucky's in there. Um, FA, You know, Florida Atlantic, who I'm sure we'll talk about. I thought that they would speed them up more than they did and I think Purdue kind of submitted them. They eased some of the the malaise from the upset. Like the it's the Virginia thing. I think they're on the Virginia campaign and this was a great step in that direction.
1: Yeah, and that's why they're a riser. Purdue and uh, shout out to the Maui Bump also a riser because Purdue wins these three games in Maui and you look at kind of the gauntlet that they went through. You go Gonzaga first, the number 11 team in the country. Then you go against Tennessee with Dalton Connect and, you know, Tennessee at this point, um, even though they lost two games in Maui, we can all tell that they are a team that has all the pieces to be a real challenging team. And then you go up against Marquette where Shaka Smart, after beating Kansas, first time beating the number one team in the country, he's obviously a riser himself. And, you know, they kind of deflate the the enthusiasm a little bit with Marquette but the reason the Maui bump sustains is because Marquette some people are saying should still be the number 2 team in the country because they lost by 3 points and if you watch that game the difference in the game as you know neanderthal brain as it is the difference in the game was a Lance Jones 70 foot shot before the half you know what i mean mm-hmm. they lost by 3 points and that was the difference in the game so it was a great game Um, Purdue is a riser. The Maui Bump is a riser. Shaka Smart is a riser. Zach Eady is a baller, of course. And Braden Smith also, I think, is another guy. I talked about the backcourt of Purdue with Lawyer and Braden Smith. I thought junior year was the year that they get over the hump. But it does look like they might be ahead of schedule. And I think that's encouraging for Purdue. And Purdue fans... They've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Like they like the idea that Virginia did this. They lost to a 16 seed. They ran it back. They go win the national championship. And as far as the check marks of a season and hitting certain benchmarks, the first one is to win your MTE. And I love saying MTE because I, I think it sounds smart, but it really isn't. It's dumb as hell. Um, you're a, but a marketer, Tate. You it, love it, marketing. You know,
0: I loved it at it the top good. of the show. You were like, "We're done with winners and losers, risers and fallers." You're just you're the Don <laughs> Draper man. You change the conversation, right, and right. people don't bat an eye. They're with you, they lay. Throw on their backs the board out. We yeah. do.
1: Winners and losers are played out. <laughs> Risers and fallers, and ballers. Uh, you know that's what it is. But I mean, at this point, Purdue checks the first benchmark. They win the Maui Invitational. Obviously, Virginia back in 2019, 2018, 2019, they win the Bahamas tournament. So um, you, you pass the first test. America believes in you. We all have seen Purdue. It does feel a little bit inevitable. Um, but on the flip side of that, there was some good, you know, conversation to be had about other teams. And let's start with Shaka Smart, who is also a riser because shaka smart we've always loved him right brad stevens and shaka smart kind of came together into the conversation as america's sweethearts as far as the young coaches the up-and-coming coaches blue bloods are trying to poach them indiana carolina kentucky whoever it is and shaka smart hat you know goes to texas doesn't have the support of the administration kind of falls off the beaten path people are like eh, i don't know about shaka Now he's back home in Wisconsin. Everything looks right. You talked about Colick and Cam Jones. Um, Those two guys, you know, meshed with Shaka Smart's kind of like, I'm playing defense on the sidelines. I'm doing defensive slides. They're just a fun electric team. And uh, as much as Purdue won the weekend and they're the number one team in the country, I do think Marquette we all kind of fell in love with. What were your thoughts on uh, seeing that team and also seeing D-Wade? D-Wade became the sister gene of Marquette during this tournament.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I know we talked some about Marquette last time, but like, uh, I, I just this Marquette team plays a really fun. This is like a really cliche kind of thing, talking th- point for, <laughs> among basketball discussion. But it's a fun brand of basketball. I, I think yeah. when you watch, and a, a huge thing, a, a huge part of this that people underrate, I think, with like good offensive teams, is like a connective big. And I think if you watch, you know, the fact that they had those shooters, like Igodaro really unlocks a lot of that stuff. I I've did was it, he had foul trouble in the was it the Purdue game or the Kansas game? I, I forget. Uh, I mean. Uh, can you remember? Was it? Did he have foul trouble in the Purdue game? I'm blanking. It was on the that, Purdue but. game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was. I, it's easy to do in these in these MTEs. To, to, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, these it all kind games, of blends together.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. They right. do.
0: They do. It's a, it's a haze. Um, no, I mean, I, I was also impressed with like Sean Jones. I mean, he Sean Jones mm-hmm. was like making my knees hurt watching him like move. I can't, the poor Furphy looked like a corpse out there, <laughs> like on a desk chair, trying to like just get in front of him. He, he just had him. They didn't really have an answer. And I think Marquette stresses you in that way, but it, it was really, I was really impressed with the fortitude of lawyer, In particular, going to the basket, getting contact, getting to the line, they did not wilt. They didn't like sit outside and just say like, "Okay, we're gonna like depend rise and fall with with how we shoot in this game." Uh, Marquette didn't shoot particularly well in the game. I'm you know twenty nine point four, but. And and they even uh, you know Marquette didn't speed them up. I think it's the huge thing. That's that's the huge thing that Purdue's going to have to sort of uh, respond to this year because they got sped up in that FDU game. But the reality is, you know, whenever you go through a trauma like that, that's tape. You have you know you have you have the trauma to point to and say, okay, this is the massive. You know, this is the massive canker sore that we have to get healed within what we do. And Purdue went and addressed those things. So, you know, the jury's still out, but I I feel like America kind of said, okay, maybe we'll consider believing in you, Purdue, you know.
1: Yeah, right. And it happened, uh, you know, kind of right. I think everyone going into the tournament wanted to figure out a way, myself included, as to why Purdue was not going to win the Maui Invitational. And then they just go in there and just, you know, kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. I will say the one note for Marquette that we have to address and we have to fix when they slapped the floor. um, I think that was uh, a very wojo move. I think it, you know, it kind of lends itself to thinking, oh my God, is Shaka leaning into more of the Duke side, the dark side of basketball in general? And I think that they're too cool to do that. I think Tyler Kolick, um, that was a, a typecast type move. You know what I mean? They're trying to make Kolick be a hateable guy. They want him to be a villain. I don't think he is by nature. Big East fans will obviously argue that they think he is, but. Cam Jones is so likable. Tyler Cole is so likable. And they slapped the floor. Um, it made my heart just kind of like stop for a second as I said, oh no, this is not the right move. This is This is not good karma. And I swear to God, in my entire life, every single time I've seen any team slap the floor, they have given up a bucket, no matter what. No matter how great of defense they play, there is always going to be a bucket on the other side when you slap the floor. So when Marquette did that, I thought that was the writing on the wall. And that's the only you know, maybe pushback on Purdue is that they had a 70-foot heave. That was, you know, the difference in the game. And also Marquette slapped the floor, so that kind of gave them a free possession to get a bucket. So those are two notes that you could argue against Purdue. But again, Shaka Smart, um, we love him, love him in the post game, love how fired up he is. And we should talk about that because Bill Self and Shaka Smart Almost got into a fight, um, and it all started with Shaka Smart and an assistant coach in Kansas, um, and of course, Hunter Dickinson. We'll talk about him. He's a faller. He was a baller, but he also is a faller, and that was thanks to Samuel Jackson. We'll get to that, but first and foremost, Bill Self, Shaka Smart, when you saw that all play out, one, it was very old Big East, and two, Uh, Bill Self had a great like just captured moment where he's like unbelievable, you know, just like so disgusted by Shaka Smart. But I like that Shaka didn't back down. He's like, you think you're big and bad, but I'm not afraid of you. And then obviously Marquette gets the win in the end. Yeah, I mean, you you assume that
0: there's some like history there from Shaka's time. Shaka's big, quite 12. frankly, unusual time in the Big Twelve. Like, um, that was that was a weird thing. I really thought that that was going to work, and it seemed like when he got access to sort of a different player type. I used to Sharks used to bemoan, bemoan this all the time that he didn't understand why it was working, and he kind of went, went Think about how many just kind of like rim running bigs that were like, yeah, they're fine. Like the Kai Joneses, the the Jared Allens, the the Mo Bamba, the guys that came through the program. Brown, just right,
1: they're. You, they're there's a ton of Jackson yeah. Hayes, like they they had so many of those guys, yeah, right. And every time you saw them, they were just like, "Whoa, this guy is special." You what know, an like, athlete, yeah. yeah, right. You you could talk yourself into any of these guys being a superstar at the next level.
0: And they it wasn't it was the Stephen F. Austin that they lost to like 52 to 50 or something like that, and mm-hmm. it was just like, "What is going on here?" Shaka is not himself. He is back to himself. He kind of makes you wonder, like uh, on the floor slapping thing, like the. Um, Makes you wonder if maybe the spirit of Wojo is like haunting that locker room from his yeah. like a success there. But um I love Bill Selves. We talk about his Rye grin. He is a master at like, you hear about great actors talk about like the acting, acting for the camera is in the face. You know, Bill Selves seems hyper aware of like what he looks like on camera. So he's always like, <laughs> even if something shitty's going on, he's you're doing the smile, right? Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, he's always got this like, yeah, that's just like, Super bullshit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he always, super he sheepish. To, yeah, he never makes an ass of himself. Like when mm-hmm. he's on camera, like he he might do it in person, but you'd have to be there. Like watching it from camera, you'd be like, "Oh man, something annoyed that very likable guy." You know, that's what <laughs> I always feel like when I'm watching. So, um, McCullough, though is, I, I felt like was a big story here. I was telling you, I was like. McCullough's kind of a he's he's got a what's the word he's a stirrer I don't know he's an instigator like McCullough he's really tough like he's one of my favorite college players
1: it seemed like he was in there really stirring that drink yeah and he was one of the guys that I mean Kansas fans I think have fallen in love with this year I mean Mr. Triple Double shout out to Tristan Newton we'll talk about that uh, and Dan Hurley a little bit later but Yeah, mccullough has been great, but the the best part of this Kansas experience was Samuel L. Jackson tweeting, damn, this Dickinson motherfucker on Kansas hoops flops like he's on a (laughs) soccer pitch. That was unbelievable. That, that was like, Samuel Jackson does not tweet much. The last time he tweeted before he tweeted about Hunter Dickinson was about um, basically Shaw McVay should be fired from the Los Angeles Rams. And that was 11-5-23. Uh, cut to, you know, later in the month, we're around Thanksgiving time, Samuel Jackson, just like the rest of us, watching Feast Week, watching the Maui Invitational, he has, he parachutes into college basketball and says, who is this big motherfucker <laughs> on Kansas Uh, he's flopping like he's on a soccer pitch. And I think uh, America at large, the college basketball fans, at least that have watched a lot of Hunter Dickinson, we understand how talented he is. We understand the national player of the year campaign is on and popping. We understand the push to get him at the forefront of college basketball. We have to say nice things. We have to be cordial. We have to do all this sort of stuff, but it's nice when someone from the outside with, with a very objective outlook on it says, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? So when that happened, I think that was when the Maui Invitational turned to we're talking Purdue, we're talking Marquette um, and Kansas ends up being the third place. You know, you get your bronze medal, but it all started with that Samuel L. Jackson tweet.
0: Yeah, I I just I'm tr- I was trying to imagine that what the scene there is he just kind of <laughs> like retreating from his family and he's up on the couch and he just has his phone and he's like, ah, I'm going to tweet here." Maybe he's had a cocktail or something or or a beer whatever. I I don't know what Sam Jones or sorry, Samuel Jackson uh sips on. Uh my sinus pressure made me brain fart there for a second, but yeah, I think this um I think this is a huge braining moment for, for Dickinson. You would, you would think that it'd be like, oh, the shame of uh, the shame. If you've watched Hunter Dickinson, he's not shamed by, by that. If anything, mm-hmm. that was like an enormous, that was, that was an enormous sort of arrow in his quiver now where he can just be like, he's, he's going to be able to capitalize on his hate ability even more. I think he grew stronger in that moment, actually.
1: And that's all he ever wants. That's why we call him Headline Hunter. He wants to get the headlines. The fact that he got, if you do Google search right now, of Hunter Dickinson, that's the spun and all these other sites are like Samuel Jackson tweets about Kansas big Hunter Dickinson. That's what he wants. That's what we want. It's good for college basketball. It's good for the conversation. And Kansas, even winning third place in Maui, it's kind of a win, which goes back to why the Maui Bunk is such a riser, because like you can finish in third and everyone's like, wow, what a great tournament for these guys, even Tennessee, right? You can explain away the two losses. You're like, they played really well. Um, They were, you know, back and forth in those games could have easily broken their way, but it didn't. That's okay. And then the next team I want to talk about is Gonzaga, because Gonzaga to me is also fascinating for Maui. They finished in fifth in this tournament, which is insane. Anton Watson He's a baller, has 32 points, one of the most ridiculous performances against UCLA. They win the race of 69. Mark Fuse over there, he's got a nice, like, seven man, eight man at most rotation, which Jay Bill is funny enough, was like, Gonzaga can go 10 deep. And I'm like, I don't think they can, but I like that. I like the idea that they could, I guess. Um, How many teams but I really
0: like, can go 10 deep. I mean, it's not very common. I mean,
1: I mean, you know. Arkansas was supposed to be that team this year. Right. And then obviously like, you know, you remember the platoon system and things like that, but you really yes, don't want to do. go 10 deep, you know, like that's in reality, if you're going 10 deep, it's like having three good quarterbacks. You don't have a great one, right? Everyone's trying to figure out who the guy is on this, you know, particular match or this particular possession. But, um, um, Gonzaga, to me, with Graham Ek, I think he is very interesting. I liked how he matched up with Edie. I think he's only going to get better. But I love when they bring Bing Gregg off the bench. I think he's a nice addition. I think he brings a lot of energy. He's a nice energy big. Nimhard's only going to get better. I came away, even though Gonzaga finished fifth in this tournament, I came away saying, I'm pretty impressed with Gonzaga. I mean, they kind of got a bad draw at the start, playing Purdue first and foremost. They get in the losers bracket, but from there, everything was kind of smooth sailing. What were your thoughts on Gonzaga? Uh, this tournament, uh, the, my first takeaway here is just
0: how much this tournament lived up to the, the, the billing. Height, I mean, we, right? we looked at the bracket coming into it, and we were Maui just continues to be perennially the, the best, the best MTE. I'll, I'll say it again. It, it's <laughs> like, um. I think I agree with you that like losing in this tournament is a little bit of a misleading thing because it is such a tight, the competition was so good. And, you know, we didn't really see anybody get just like flat out curb stomped. Like it was a tough break to get Purdue in the game that they did, but even the consolation games were solid. The Kansas, Tennessee consolation game was good. Um, you know, I, I, think for Anton, this is who is a super senior, um, this, that has to be a career high, right? I, I yeah, think, it was. Yeah. Yeah. The and the and the most important thing for him, I thought the most impressive thing from that is that uh, he got 32 points. UCLA, per, you know, is known as a defensive team in recent years, but he only got four free throw attempts, and he only made one of those. So 32 points uh, with with barely any he help from the free throw line. He did it efficiently. It's really it is really impressive. I th- I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I think Gonzaga is going to come around because, like we said, like this this tournament was so packed with talent that uh, there's plenty to learn from from playing this quality you know competition. Like we were talking about with the tape that they're going to have um i trust them to 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 get it together it'd it'd be interesting if this team made a run it would almost be sort of the ewing theory thing it would be interesting Mm -hmm. if the spotlight were off gonzaga this year you know timmy's gone you know and then this year they put it together and make a run you know the basketball universe seems to work like that some years
1: Yeah, I really like this team. I came away – I mean, we haven't – the AP poll is not out yet. I I would be really uh, upset if I see Gonzaga fall, you know, down to 24 or 25 or something. I think they're definitively a top 15 team. And that goes back to why – and the reason why is because I watched UCLA – UCLA is interesting as well. You know what I mean? Like UCLA in this tournament, uh, Syracuse is probably the one team of the main team. Shout the to Chaminade for, for showing up and doing their best out there. But Syracuse, they looked like they were outclassed at times, even though they were up on Tennessee early in that game. So a little moral victory there uh, to start the tournament. But UCLA was another team. I would consider them a faller when we talk about risers and fallers. A lot of people were saying, UCLA, get them out of my face. They finished sixth in Maui or whatever it is. But I do think that they did um, show a little something, and they did show that they have a backcourt that is interesting with Mac, with Dylan Andrews. I think there was some upside there and a dimbona. Um, had one of the most ridiculous posters I have ever seen. This guy is like Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's like jumping from as far out as possible, trying to dunk on people. Looks like he wants to, like you know, basically dunk on you and then point at you while you're on the ground, you know, and and run back and have a great time like he's Shaq or something. Um, he's a baller. Let's just talk about a Dimbona quickly. I know UCLA fans are a little upset about the performance, but they were in all these games. They showed to me a little bit of. Um, I don't know, like a a four, uh, like it was a it was a nice little forecast for what we're gonna see once we get the conference play. I think I would not count them out of the Pac-12 race at all, even though some UCLA fans are upset. I think the backcourt has a lot of room for growth. They also have a mm. lot of talent in general. But a dim Bona could be the Pac-12 Player of the Year. I mean, I, I'm serious. If he stays healthy, I, I think the I think the ceiling is the roof to use a Michael Jordan term for this kid. But what were your thoughts on Bona? Yeah, I mean, he's moving into you know UCLA has had a lot of turnover.
0: Obviously, there've been a, there's been a lot of kind of usage available. Like there's there there are touches and shots up for grabs, and he's moved into that that role. You know, he's you know doubled his his field goal attempts this year, and he's been pretty efficient doing it. You know, he's 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 down a little bit at sixty point three percent this year, but his his averages are up across the board. Um, He's, he's a guy that I wasn't always necessarily in love with. That was a guy that like Cal Cal actually like recruited for a time. And I was like, eh, I don't know, but he's, he's really, um, he's made a strong go of it. Like defense, he plays hard. Um, you were talking mm-hmm. about, um, he's just a guy that consistently gives a lot of effort, um, He's just a guy that consistently gives a lot of effort, and it was fun to hear Bill Walton basically go and say, "Can we talk quickly about Bill Walton making a comment about somebody's dad dying?" What the? He's he's off the rails. He like we love Bill, but um, he kind of he you know uh, talking about the banyan tree and things like that, which that was a nice story from Maui that I was unaware of. I enjoyed that, but Walton was uh, he was all over the place.
1: Yeah, last year, Bill Walton, Big Wave Billy, was not um, on the call for the Maui Invitational. I was there in Maui. I was very upset about this. Um, I was asking ESPN people that I was talking to why that was the case. They were like, sometimes, you know, the fans, when they watch games, right, the feedback for most people, when you watch your team, right, you really don't want Bill Walton on the call. Like, if you're watching a Kentucky game or I'm watching a Carolina game, or you're an Indiana fan, you're watching your game, when you're watching your team, you don't want the sideshow. You don't want the circus act. You're like, shut the hell up! I'm I'm so tense right now. I'm biting my teeth. You know what I mean? Like that that energy does not match the energy of Bill Walton going on these side tangents. But if you're just watching as a general fan. And you don't really care about either one of these teams. You're just watching the basketball. Bill Walton is a joy. You know, you enjoy listening to him. You enjoy the tangents. And Maui's the perfect kind of setting for him to go on these tangents because of all the history on the island. Obviously, the tragedy of the fires. It was great to see the packages done by Jay Billis and Bill Walton being back in Lahaina. You could see the emotion of the moment and things like that. But... I swear when Bill gets on these little when he has something in his in his head, the the way that he is able to navigate from this road to this road, it is unbelievable. (laughs) You know what I mean? It is literally like he just, just takes the wheel and just rips it over to the other side. And you're like, how and where did that come from? Um, and you know, he was trying to talk about KJ Adams and and the loss of his mother, which is very tragic. Um, but then he immediately tries to like shoehorn this whole conversation. in as we're leading into commercial comment, I mean, what, what was that? It was only Bill Walton. He's the only person that could do that. But it was, it was one of those moments where when it happened in the moment. You're like, that's going to be all over Twitter. You know what I mean? That people are going to see a lot of that. And I think that's, the only knock on big wave Billy is that he can do some things like that. It comes from a good place. We all love him to death, but you're just like, wait, what, what happened here? What what did he say? Uh, Where did that come from? And uh, that was the perfect, uh, you know, moment in terms of that kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the, the other, uh, I'm going to,
0: I'm going to pull a Bill Walton and like jerk it (laughs) back over to, I'm going to pull a Bill Walton and jerk it here back to, um, (laughs) D-, d wade you know doesn't really necessarily have the same you know pacific tie-ins that uh that bill walton does but he was out there enjoying the summer you know the summer breeze and his linens and things i'm curious like can, can we take this siegelman stable thing are, you know i know you're a brand guy this has flown under my radar um is, is this a big brand moment are they a riser from the Maui thing are people even going to know what i'm talking about what what's your what's your read on this situation
1: I will say when you texted me about this I had to do a quick Google search so that that also <laughs> that that hurts the branding of these are hats for people that are not paying attention right Dude, it is is it strictly hats by the way it's, like it, they have
0: they have clothes but it's like okay. $90 hats you know I won't I won't we know someone that has one I won't name <laughs> this person cuz I don't want to embarrass them but uh mm. it's some it's a ringer person and I was oh, I was man. I thought that this was just sort of like a rural random eBay pickup type thing like oh it's just a random hat I don't know just think it's interesting been NBA players wear it check it out anyway moving on just wanted to yeah wanted to well, comment on Siegelman stables there
1: look what, what kind of payola is happening is I think the real question here with these hats we'll figure that out but $90 hats I mean more power to you that that is a brand play right there it's like when I see someone sell t-shirts like you know like Scott Disick has this brand called talentless and this guy sells t-shirts for like 150 bucks I'm like that is that's genius you know what I mean like if people are willing to pay at that's that next rate level Yeah, you're you're really doing something, and uh, shout out to D. Wade, because D. Wade was the difference for Marquette. D. Wade was not at the Maui Championship game. He had to fly back to Los Angeles and watch the game, but whenever D. Wade is in the building, Marquette is undefeated, and I think if you're Shaka Smart, if you're the powers that be, the AD, whatever it is at Marquette, when you get to the NCAA tournament, you need to do a brand deal, an NIL deal with D Wade to be at these games. And he can wear those hats. Maybe they pay for the whole thing. You know what I mean? That that would be my pitch to D Wade. He was a riser. Even though I'm upset that he left, he should have stayed. Um, if he did say, I think Marquette wins that game, but that's a Mo- conversation for a
0: Mojo's way. a powerful thing, Tate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any kind of mojo things for when UNC is playing. Like, you know, do, do you have any kind of like superstitions for when they're playing?
1: Yeah, I have the I have a pair of uh, North Carolina socks that I've had since two thousand and four, and those socks they've been through a lot. But whenever there's like a big game, like we have to win this game, like I I, like twenty seventeen national championship, had the socks on Duke Carolina game twenty twenty two final four, had the socks on so. Um, and you know Woody Durham, we're all superstitious, right? You know, you, you know what it is. Kentucky fans are the same way. But Woody Durham used to always say, "Go where you go, do what you do." You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. Like if you knock on wood three times before tip off, like what whatever you need to do, go where you go, do what you do, and let the rest happen. But yeah, I have some lucky socks that I don't pull them out unless it's like really, really necessary. Um, yeah, you know, and they're Carolina socks. So that, that's what I. That's all I got in the bag.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just kind of. I I recline. Basically, if we start to lose, I'll like recline <laughs> in my seat. But for my own that, like pickup, that's my dad. My dad's
1: a king of like, uh, like when the game's getting close, like he'll sit up and it, like he'll put the he'll put the recliner down and sit up in his chair. Like you know that meme, like when you're playing a video game, you know that, yeah. that's like that's exactly what happens. You know, yeah. everyone's got I, their thing.
0: I have a pickup superstition though. When where if I'm in a funk, I have a like a shirt that says uh, "Respect Our Past, Fear Our Future." It's a Calipari Nike shirt mm. that I got when he when he became the coach, and it's it's very tattered. It's got bacon neck really bad, and it's you know there are holes. But if I'm in a funk, I wear that shirt to the gym, and I'm back. We're back, baby. It resets me. So I'm I'm a superstitious guy in, in general. Typically, with, with when it comes to my own team. <laughs>
1: Grab your game day gear because college basketball is back and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the fun. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. Again, I keep saying this, Final Four futures, I'm all in on it. There's a lot of teams that you can kind of bet on. Maybe even Purdue you take a shot on to make the Final Four after what we saw in Maui. So you could do that now. There's some good odds out there. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash OSP. P and make this college hoop season one you won't forget. Must be twenty one or older and present in select states. Five dollar pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. Ten dollar first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after a receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Maui invitational In general, great tournament. We got to get it back to Maui. We got to get it back to Lahaina. 2024 um, is going to be an incredible tournament. You got big names. You got big programs. You got guys like Dan Hurley. You got brands like North Carolina. So 2024, I'm going to knock on wood. I'm going to do the superstitious thing right now. 2024, come in. I want us to be there. I want us to be in Maui we got to be there and uh, our
0: stables pay for it thank you're right. you right
1: please thank you be our bad guy and make it happen and uh producer Kyle who is on vacation right now there will be no vacation next year we will be in maui i guess it'll be part vacation part basketball there's nothing better. There's nothing better than the Maui Invitational. Um, and if you're trying to figure out how to donate to, um, you know, Lahaina and, and all that sort of stuff, I mean, the Maui Invitational website has all that information. So go do that. Go make a contribution. It could be twenty dollars. Everything makes a difference. So um, and do it from anonymous. You know, Larry David taught us that. Don't put your name on it. Do anonymous. People respect that more. Um and that's what you got to do with your donations. But shout out to the risers. Shout out to the Maui bump. Let's talk about some other risers in college basketball. Villanova. Villanova goes to the battle for Atlantis. And Villanova has put their uh, their stamp back on college basketball to say, hey, we're still here. Even though Jay Wright is not, we're still Villanova basketball. And the same way that Maui is so beloved by Carolina fans, every time they go there, they go and win the national championship. The Bahamas has a very similar vibe for Villanova. They went there in 2013. They win the battle for Atlantis. They go there in 2019. They win the battle for Atlantis. They go there this year. They win the battle for Atlantis. And a baller for them is obviously Eric Dixon. Um, Kyle Neptune, very happy after this. i never seen him smile so much. What were your thoughts on Villanova? They blow out Penny Hardaway in the championship game. They take Carolina to overtime and beat them. Um, Are we buying the hype? Because it does seem like the Villanova hype train, the Big East hype train is back on the rails.
0: Really strong non con, you know, schedule for Villanova this year. You know, after a tough year last year, we know there was a lot of sort of unrest in the in the Villanova community <laughs> that we caught wind of and mm-hmm. heard about. Uh that that was just sort of a weird year last year and they, they've kind of, you know, got course corrected and got back on track here. Early sort of non con, you know, power teams that they're playing Maryland, Texas Tech, UNC, like you said, Memphis. They still have Kansas State coming up with Jerome Tang. Uh, you know, they're going to there, they're going up Manhattan for that one, UCLA. Creighton so it's it's a great schedule and if you don't even consider their conference schedule with the which the Big East has been incredible um, yeah I mean Eric Dixon and seems like they kind of got good good mojo coming back are you are you a big believer I mean I, I generally I like what I've seen from them so far it seems more like a typical Villanova team to me um, but uh, how are you feeling are you, are you drinking the Kool-Aid?
1: Yeah, five players in double digits against Memphis. That's encouraging. I think Dixon, um, during the broadcast against Carolina, they kept talking about how Dixon struggles against bigs. Um, and I've never, ever seen that be the, the the issue with Eric Dixon. And he dominated Armando Baycott. Like if you look at the Kim Pom, uh, National Player of the Year rankings, Armando Baycott is number four right now. And that just confirms that, that that algorithm is wrong. I mean, he got absolutely dominated by Eric Dixon. Wasn't even close. Guy's two inches shorter than him and just made him put him in a blender the entire game embarrassed him, to be quite honest. And um, all that conversation during that game about Eric Dixon, I felt like he had like an earpiece in and he was listening. To the announcers, I'm like, this guy's getting like a like he's going at his haters and his doubters as this game is going on. I don't know what was happening with that, but. I do think that they have leadership. I think that they have like, uh, you know, the right guards, um, to, to sort of, you know, kind of keep things together. I like TJ Bomba coming from Washington state. I think that was a mm-hmm. nice addition to this team. He's got some size, all those Villanova guards. And I tweeted this, I was like, I, there must be some sort of camp, but like they all have a back to the basket game. And it does feel like every Villanova guard gets the ball. And they're like, let me get down to the low block, which is fascinating. I like Dixon has added that three point shot. Um, I think that's a nice wrinkle to their offense. And, uh, Kyle Neptune, as long as he can stay out of his own way, um, yeah. you know, you don't you don't need these timeouts sometimes to kind of be like letting everybody know that you're coaching. Just just let the game breathe. Let the let the team do what they're doing. Justin Moore is there. He knows how to you know play in big moments. He went to the final four in 2022 before he got hurt. So I think Villanova checks a lot of boxes. I'm not going to say that they're going to beat UConn or Creighton or Marquette and go win the Big East. But I think they're going to be a team in the tournament when they're a three seed, four seed, five seed, whatever they are. And, you know, you look at the bracket, you're saying, oh, this could break Villanova's way pretty easily. And um, I think for Villanova fans, that's just like a nice feeling to have again because last year they were in a similar position as North Carolina where, you know, they're watching old highlights of Jay Wright games saying, you know, remember when, right? And as Lombardi has told me a lot of times in this life, right? You never want to be saying remember when. And uh, mm. I think Villanova fans are doing that a lot with Jay Wright. And I'm happy for Kyle Neptune. Kyle Neptune um famously – was upset with me because I said something about Cam Whitmore going into the NBA draft. You know what I mean? I'm trying to bury the hatchet. I want to be a fan of Kyle Neptune. I want to be a fan. And I forgot about Neptune. this. Did we yeah. were
0: we were potting together? Were we potting together when this happened? I forget. We we, doing- were podding, we were
1: potting, we were potting, but I did it on Bill Simmons podcast, and it was one of those things where you know how this is with the NBA people. You get all these sources and people tell you different stuff, but you think it's like common knowledge, and you say something, and then you realize that's not common knowledge, or, you know, at least it's not out there, quote unquote, and then it all yeah. comes, you know, spiraling back. But uh, shout out to Kyle Neptune. We're pulling for you. Um And I, I was like going to say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No. Uh
0: I was going to say, I just had two quick just kind of thoughts on them really quickly. Uh, you know, one, I think, well, three. One, I think it's that's where <laughs> Villanova wants to be is that this is kind of their baseline, you know, is that like, oh, we don't want to play them, which is where they kind of got to with Jay Wright. But also I was going to say, um, I love these teams that have clusters of double digit scores that don't ascend into the like 19, 20, 21 range where you become a team that has so much of your your flow comes from one place. And if you look at this Villanova team, it is kind of classic, Noah, and that they got, you know, a 15, a 14, a couple tens, and an eight and an eight and a half and a seven. It's like I, I like teams that kind of have they chip in they kind of have they they have seven or eight guys that chip in that amount because then it becomes harder to stop the last thing is too the transfer part of this you mentioned it um Lance Ware is the highest rated RSCI guy on this team at 39 and uh yeah I mean I love the guy he just like as soon as he played at Kentucky I was like this guy's just not a Kentucky caliber player uh but it's, it's it's interesting the way they've built it it's it hasn't been a traditional kind of high school kind of highly rated player. They're kind of piecing it together, which is a different thing for them.
1: Yeah, they did a good job. I mean, Kyle Neptune, give him credit. He did a good job piecing this team together and I have some nice pieces and Lance Ware is basically out there. For, the best thing that Lance Ware has every game is five fouls, right? I mean, that, that is the best thing that he has going for him. I mean, you, you put him out there, you save Eric Dixon, you give him a little bit of a breather and you say, Lance Ware, go hack whoever, you know, whatever big is on the other team. And and get some rebounds. And uh, that that's kind of where it lands where it needs to be. Um, and I think that's a nice fit. But yeah, Villanova, they win the battle for Atlantis. They kind of win the headlines out there. Um, quickly, when I talk about Memphis, Memphis had a nice run. Uh, They beat Michigan. A lot of people thought they would lose that game. Michigan is obviously a faller. Uh, Memphis is kind of right in the middle. You know, you you felt really good going into that championship game. They just could not buy a basket uh, against Villanova, did not shoot the ball well. Penny uh, had a nice post on Instagram afterwards basically saying, the Lord will test me and I will prevail, um, which is, these are my favorite Penny posts. Penny is one of my favorite characters in college basketball, as we both know. Um, A baller, though, for Memphis, David Jones. Um, A very uh, under the radar name, a very generic name, a name in college basketball that might not jump off the page, but the game stands out. And uh, David Jones had a big game, um, you know, leading into the championship game, had I think it ended up being 34 points, um, which is insane. So. Memphis has some talent. Javon Quinterly was playing his old team, Villanova, in the championship game. I thought it was going to be a nice little JellyFam moment. Turns out that was not going to be the case. The Jelly Fam, R.I.P. I feel like uh, you know the hype train is officially over on the Jelly Fam, and uh, Villanova kind of nailed that in the in the coffin here. But Memphis, uh, they're not a riser. I don't think they're a faller. They're kind of right in between. Texas A&M and Memphis, for me, during Feast Week, they were kind of like, you had some highs, you had some lows. Um, I really haven't changed my opinion on either team. I feel like both teams are top 25 programs. Texas A&M might be a top 15 program, especially when they're healthy. Um, but Memphis is in the mix. And I think that is uh, Chris Vernon. I saw him tweeting about he was excited about this team. So I think the Memphis, you know, th- there's a little bit of a stir going right now with this team. And um, that's exciting. The the championship game did not lend itself to the hype, but uh, the rest of the time did. And I still believe in Memphis. I still believe in Penny. But again, not a riser, not a faller right in the middle. Let's go through some more risers. Houston. Um, There's some people out there, Kyle, man, that want Houston to be up there and considered as the number one team in the country. They have the pieces. I like LJ Cryer's addition to this team. They've looked really solid. The Utah game was the one game that you can kind of point to to say, "Um, I can see some concerns here. Gabe Madsen for Utah. I think he ended up having 34, 35 points in that game. I mean, he was ridiculous. So he kind of had like this one-off spectacular performance. But in general, um, I think Houston as a team, we need to, we need to give them their, their, credit, you know, their credit and give them a little bit of uh, you know, tip of the cap to say, we see you. You know what I mean? You are a riser, Houston. And, uh, and we understand that you're going to be in the mix. I think we take it slow. You know,
0: we were talking about the quality of the of the non-con schedule with some other teams. I think that with uh, with Nova, I, I think with Houston, it's a wait. It's a little more of a wait and see. You know, because early on in the season, you got Louisiana Monroe and you got Corpus Christi and you know Stetson and Towson and Dayton and Montana. But um, you know, no no offense to those teams, but I think that uh, Houston's run coming up here is going to be telling you know they've got a game at Xavier and they've got their their conference schedule which is going to be you know maybe they you know that in the past few years they've loaded up a little more on you know that team last year went to some places and played some really tough games in the non-con uh, maybe you flip it and kind of the way you know, Kentucky football does this when the, the conference schedule is a little tougher so we don't play anybody in the non-con because we gotta we gotta uh, maybe there's sort of like a calibration going on there with with uh, with the way that uh, Sampson is approaching the scheduling here with this one. But it's a wait and see for me w- with, the, with the conference schedule. I think that's when the conversation about them will become real as opposed to years past.
1: Yeah, like we said, I mean, Kelvin Sampson, uh, before the season, said he's at a dog park and he's looking for the Shih Tzus. And uh, I think that's exactly what he did. I think he looked at the schedule and said... Let's uh let's kind of you know give ourselves some nice wins to build our confidence before we get into the gauntlet of the Big 12. And I think um, there's a lot of teams in the Big 12 that are going to have that same approach as we move forward in that conference. Another team in the Big 12 and another coach that is a riser that we need to talk about, Mark Pope, a.k.a. the young Pope, BYU undefeated. They go and win the Vegas showdown. Um, they beat Arizona State, beat the hell out of Arizona State, to be quite honest. They play NC State pretty close in the first half. And then the second half um, just kind of outlasted them. Uh, DJ Burns gets a little bit tired and then, you know, they just wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. And Mark Pope um, looks like, to me, an early uh, conversation for coach of the year because BYU was off the beaten path. A lot of people thought them going to the Big 12 would be a disaster, Um, but so far they look good. What are your thoughts on Mark Pope's team? Endless energy,
0: that guy. I, I really He's love guys in basketball that just have like endless kind of curiosity. Like their motor for curiosity is high. I feel like the the sort of like apex version of that is Kevin Garnett. I tweeted out like a, some screenshots from a video where he just looks like a possessed man. I just feel like Pope has the same kind of intellectual motor. You know, the guy was like almost like a Rhodes Scholar candidate. Um, I love the play where he like boxes out that he he gets in between his player and another player and boxes out and, and prevents it from sort of snowballing and escalating. He's a guy that's going to get a big job, I feel like. It's just a matter of when, you know, it's not a matter of if. He's he's consistently had success in a couple different places that he's been. Players seem to like him. Um, obviously, we know he's a smart guy. Um, I've heard people talk about him maybe being a candidate for the Kentucky job eventually. Yeah, um, Sam Vecini was asking me if uh, if Kentucky fans would would know Chris Holtman or they would know Mark Pope more, and I was like, I think it's Pope. I, I think he's sort of a he's sort of a guy who has a lot of credibility here. But if it's not here, it's going to be somewhere because that guy uh, that guy can coach the BYU, the BYU team comically old also because i think you have a combination of like the COVID year thing and you have the and you have the the mormon mission aspect of that which has been a thing for them for a while i don't know are they going to be one of these teams that's just sort of like wearing people down in march tate are they going to be one of these just geriatric march madness teams
1: I love that they respect rebounding, and I love that Mark Pope, uh, to his team and to the media, always talks about rebounding. I, I'm a sucker for that, so shout out to them. But uh, we got a great graphic in this game. Spencer Johnson, uh, guard for BYU, six foot five guard. Uh, he's a baller. We had a Spencer Johnson versus Jason Tatum head-to-head. Shout out to ESPN uh, for putting this graphic together. And the four categories were birthday, years in NBA, NBA earnings, and cougar tails enjoyed. Uh, birthday, Spencer Johnson, 9397, Jason Tatum, 3398. So Jason Tatum is a year younger than this guy playing for BYU right now, which that kind of puts in the context of things. Uh, Jason Tatum, in case you missed it, has been in the NBA for seven years. He's made a hundred million dollars in contracts. Uh, Spencer Johnson, zero years in the NBA, zero dollars in contract money, but he has had 30 cougar tails enjoyed, 30 compared to Jason Tatum zero. So that was an incredible graphic that they put together just to give the context of this team. Like you said, they're old. It's good to be old in college basketball these days. And uh, they're they're just a fun team. Is, a cougar tale, is it
0: Cougar Tail? Is that food? I'm I'm lost.
1: Or is that I like hope a, so. an Ohio I, State I, sticker I, thing. I, like, I I think it's a, I think it's a food. I have no idea. I just I, when I saw that graphic come up, I was like, this is uh, this is incredible. I probably could take a quick Google search, um, and I'm sure our Mormon BYU fans out there are yelling, uh, "What the f?" Like TJ Hall's at us for not knowing this, but um, yeah. Oh, I okay. Just, what is it? Is it is it like a it's got to be a delicacy, I assume. I don't.
0: Well, no. I mean, I'm seeing. It looks like maybe <laughs> it's a dessert. It's like it's not yeah, like right. An actual. Yeah. It's like okay. I see the cougar tail. I see. All right. It's <sighs> sort of like a candy bar. All right. Mm. It looks mm. good. All right. Maybe there's some nougat in there. We'll have to investigate
1: further. But maybe maybe I, I we was, eat a cougar tail. Yeah, that'd be good.
0: Yeah, I was just imagining them cutting the tails off of cougars and eating them, and I was like, this just seems problematic. I don't know about this. Maybe maybe <laughs> a little bit of like a churro thing going on. I don't know. We'll we'll look.
1: Well, look, Uh, but again, shout out to uh, BYU. They're a fun team. You mentioned Chris Holtman. He is another riser because Ohio State, um, you know, this is year seven. Some people have talked about Chris Holtman may have worn his welcome there. But they had some fans at their last home game that were wearing shirts that said uh, Holtman's Hooligans. Shout out to Adam Jardy, beat reporter, um, you know, covering this team as he always does. But they beat number 17, Alabama, 92 to 81. They're playing the Emerald Coast Classic. They end up winning the Emerald Coast Classic over Herb Syndek, who's also a riser. Shout out to Santa Clara. They had a great tournament. But Bruce Thornton is the real star of this team. They're shooting 41% from three as a team right now and Jamison Battle a transfer from Minnesota has been a nice pickup for this team Ohio State is looking the part right now and Chris Holtman is looking the part and you mentioned uh, Kentucky fans if there's ever a time for Kentucky fans to look at what's next not to say Cal you know is is out the door or anything but you got three great options right now that would be in the conversation Scott Drew looks better than ever right he's a rising mm-hmm. Scott Drew looks great That'd be my pick it would be my pick as well. But if you don't get Scott Drew and he says, I want to stay at this, you know, Baptist university that I that I basically run, you understand that. But Chris Holtman's a Kentucky guy. He's always been kind of in the mix. I said Louisville should hire him, but he's looking great so far. And then you got Mark Pope. So if you're a Kentucky Louisville person right now, a Kentucky basketball fan, Louisville basketball fan, you got the you got some horses in the stable that you're saying, hey. You know, they're looking pretty good over here, right? I, I like what I'm seeing. And I think Chris Holtman, he was much maligned last season. He had a lot of bad stuff written about him, a lot of bad stuff said about him. I think he's a really good basketball coach. And I think what he's been able to do with this team, they have some continuity. They have a real point guard with Bruce Thornton. And they have some actual NBA talent, right? Scotty Middleton on this team. I mean, he's coming off the bench as like their seventh, eighth guy right now. And, and Holtman usually typically has like, you know, the sense of ball or, you know, Malachi Branham right he has the NBA guy ends up having to play too much and they leave after one year but I think like Middleton might be able to hide away and then they're going to be able to let him kind of grow into his role a little bit and who knows we might get two years of Scotty Middleton and and that would be even better for Chris Holman because he can finally use some of that talent and have you know older talent because that's what you need in college basketball so I really like what Ohio State has done and I like what they they've been able to do so far this season
0: yeah, Scotty Middleton, one of my favorite players for Sunrise Christian last year. He was a guy who popped all the time. Every time I would watch them was and Bozella's, um, and he's just somebody that uh, I, I am going to definitely keep an eye on in the future. Great size at six seven, uh, but yeah, Thornton is the guy who's kind of slid in in like the void of the offensive production that Cintaball kind of left behind. Uh, Thornton right now, yeah, he's at seventeen point two points and four point eight assists. He's you know he's six two. He's he's got sort of like a um, a really kind of a solid build. He's got an interesting... I'm trying to think who I would even compare him to. Um, But... He's, he's not somebody that just kind of roasts you with like blow by athleticism but he just kind of has a pace way that he plays maybe a little sasser but I, I don't know I'd have to think about a good comp for that but yeah he's he's playing really well um just playing similar minutes low but just more of a an increased role but he's definitely like a guy that leans scoring um yeah it se- it seems like they've sort of like weeded out some of the issues similar to Villanova and they're in a better position this year.
1: Yeah, I really like what they were able to do. And Herb Sindeck and Santa Clara, I mean, they beat UCLA in a secret scrimmage. People forget this. They have Adama Ball from, you know, Arizona who transferred in. He's playing some really good basketball. He's a baller um, living up to his name. So I thought, you know, that would be a really good game between Santa Clara and Ohio State. And they beat the brakes off of them, to be quite honest. So when I watched that game, um, you know, and shout out to YouTube TV. I don't know if you've seen this, but you can do key plays. Like for some of the games you miss, like I, re- I record all the games. And then I just go back and then I just do key plays and I can just key in. And I did that for that game. And I'm I was pretty impressed with everything I saw from Ohio State. But Herb Sindek, regardless of that outcome, he's still a riser and Santa Claire uh, is still a team to keep an eye on. So shout out to them. Let's keep it rolling with the risers. UConn. They're right now, uh, this is the the big thing. They have won 23 consecutive non-conference games by double figures. Uh, The longest streak in NCAA history is North Carolina, 2008-2009. And they're going for the record. It is Monday. They're playing tonight against New Hampshire to try to go for that record, to break the record um, that North Carolina set back in 08-09. So when you talk about dominance right now, you got to talk about the UConn Huskies. Castle's not even playing. He's supposed to be you know, their go-to one-and-done talent, so they don't even need him right now. Caravan, to me, has been their best player, which is surprising. A lot of people thought Klingon would be, you know, obviously the de facto guy that we're talking about with this team. But outside of Caravan, we got to talk about Mr. Triple-Double. Dan Hurley said he was the best guard in the country, and the only reason that people aren't saying that is because they watch TikTok highlights and they don't know anything. They don't don't know shit, is what he (laughs) said. He said said
0: shit, is what he said. (laughs) Yeah, he said
1: they don't know shit. Um, which I, I think, I mean, I know a lot of times I've been hard on Dan Hurley because I think he's a little bit ridiculous. But this new version of Dan Hurley where he's meditating and painting and then he has like a little bit of that bite, you know, it, it's it's exactly the right temperament that we need in college basketball. First and foremost, you don't watch highlights on TikTok. Are you even on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. So when he said that, I was like pumping my fist. I was like, stupid TikTokers. Like, take yeah. that. Thank you, Coach Hurley.
0: Yeah, take that, you young assholes whippersnappers uh, no i mean i'm not really i i've i'd started uploading just some like you know hi, like uh, quote unquote highlights just like clips oh no from my oh, own no. videos from my own videos not okay, highlights good. yeah <laughs> i use synergy sports thank you very much shout out matt matt curly uh you know I, I i grind tape on there i don't need TikTok highlights i will say that my uh my niece who is a teenager my wife's uh my wife's sister's daughter was uh i was kind of observing her on tiktok like her usage of tiktok and it was frankly kind of disturbing because it was exactly what you hear people talk about it was just like three second swipe three second swipe one second swipe i was like wow okay yeah that i didn't really whereas me i don't do anything like that you know i just i constantly incessantly you know scroll through twitter uh nothing like that so i'm (laughs) completely different absolved you know it's (laughs) totally different so anyway yeah well that that means that we're not really not really Uh, that's all
1: I wanted you know what I mean I just wanted us to feel like Dan Hurley was talking to someone that's not us Uh, we do know ball coach Hurley and we know Tristan Newton is one of the best guards in the country and if you don't know that you're not watching UConn because the the most versatile part about him is that he can guard your small forward I mean, shit, he can guard your power forward if you have a small ball forward I mean that is the beauty of Tristan Newton and last year we obviously had to talk about the other guys that were standing out whether it be Andre you know or obviously you know the number 14 pick in the NBA draft I mean there were other people to be talking about uh with this team uh, but you know now we can finally focus on Tristan Newton Dan Hurley not afraid to say it Tristan Newton is a baller um you know UConn is a riser another riser Tommy Lloyd um I think Tommy Lloyd's stock is going up and uh, he broke Bill Guthridge's record in the first two seasons and wins I know that March has not been kind to him. Obviously Princeton is is the note that we point to, but just in general, I just think Tommy Lloyd going down to the desert, playing in Palm Springs, he beats Michigan State. After the game, he's talking about, you know, how surreal it is to beat a coach like Tom Izzo. He's kind of just checking all, you know, every every box that you need to check for America to fall in love with you. And this Arizona team, I mean, they have one of the best wins in the country going to Durham and and winning in Durham in Cameron Indoor um I just think that they have a lot of talent Caleb Love has had some moments some of the Caleb Love moments that you like to see not the moments that we saw last year um had another big three before halftime like he did against Duke so just in general I think that the momentum for Arizona basketball and for Tommy Lloyd kind of just being uh on the forefront of college basketball coaches is happening in real time right now so he's a major riser did you watch this I feel like a lot of people didn't even watch this game they just saw the final score but it was a fascinating game but. It It just it felt like Arizona is just like a better team and a better program at this point in time, which is kind of crazy to say, because when he got the job, there were some people rolling their eyes like, oh, man, we we, we got the number two guy, Gonzaga. Cool. You know, it's like, no, Tommy Lloyd is he's the real deal yeah uh gonzaga
0: or not gonzaga uh arizona and michigan state kind of have similar histories right i mean they have some high points where they've you know had some su- success and, and won a title and uh yeah and uh but they're they're not like full-fledged even though i mean sparty sparty fans are probably more intense i would say than arizona fans overall in terms of their there's but that's
1: the west coast like you know there's like kind of a just a laze kind of glaze over west coast sports fandom you know it's kind of like ah uh, whatever
0: yeah yeah well, they have other things to do you know right. they, they don't you know we out here we don't have a lot to, it, when it gets cold where that's when we're pretty into what's going on I just you know take you know I, I appreciate how faithful you are to Tommy Lloyd I know you guys probably he's probably is he pinned at the top of your your iMessage like he's one of your consistent ones on there like
1: I just I just want Tommy Lloyd and Steve Robinson shout out to my guy coach Rob I want these guys to get it done I, I will never ever pick them to win anything of consequence again uh, because I feel like it was my fault you know when they lost to Princeton I really took that on the chin as America tried to dunk on me and say you don't know ball I was like I do I've watched this team play they're a really good basketball team uh Bill
0: and, laughed in your face and oh, just like yeah said, he's, he he's like just finger wagged you <laughs> yeah.
1: it's like you don't know ball I know Princeton basketball Mitch Henderson's my friend um and it's and as soon as that happened I, I felt like I was lost at sea but this team they, they are already making me fall in love again. But again, I, I will never pick them to win anything of consequence. But right now, um, I just think Tommy Lloyd, even, you know, shout out to, to some of the staff members at Arizona, our guy Rim, he tweeted like uh, that he's the best coach in the country. So now we have a conversation like, is Tommy Lloyd the best coach in the country? And that is not a conversation I think many people thought we'd be having, you know, three years ago when he was brought into this program. So um, and also he loves a Mai Tai. That's what I learned in Maui last year. I'm like, Tommy Lloyd guy crushes my ties he went scuba diving in between games like he's just a cool dude you know and and no he's not pinned at the top of my text okay he's (laughs) he's not there okay glad
0: you defended yourself there i like a (laughs) tie little cobra fang you
1: like a little little tiki bar i mean yeah i like my ties hit different in maui We'll, we'll we'll see that next year but yeah tommy lloyd major riser uh porter moser oklahoma also a riser um they get a nice win over usc usc is a faller um, you know they're waiting for their baller Bronny James to come back, and we'll see what happens with that. Isaiah Collier struggling with turnovers right now, but Oklahoma Porter Moser. This was a make it or break it year, I feel like, for Porter Moser and the Porter Moser era at Oklahoma, and he's uh, he's kind of hitting all the benchmarks early, which is good news for all the Oklahoma fans. And uh, they're going to be playing the Jordan Brand Classic against, against North Carolina coming up in December. They got some uh, they they got some momentum to say the least. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about Oklahoma. I mean, they kind of just. They're winning games. You know what I mean? That's really the takeaway. They're winning games that, you know, a lot of people thought they might not win going into the season. So shout out to Porter Moser. Do you have any thoughts on Oklahoma or should we just leave it there? Yeah, like, I sure don't. I sure yeah, don't. I sure don't.
0: Uh, right. Good for them. Milos Yuzan not playing as much, I noticed. Uh, but I haven't got to check in on Oklahoma yet, but I will.
1: We'll, we'll lock in on Oklahoma as we get closer. Uh, the Big 12, by the way, has six teams that are undefeated still. Isn't that crazy? Like when you just think about like all the undefeated teams in college basketball usually it's like one team in a conference you know potentially two teams but the fact that the Big 12 has 6 teams right now that are undefeated there's, I'll go it's it's crazy I mean Houston There's no shit. Tate you said it yourself there's no, no shitzoos in that No shitzoos yeah Houston BYU Baylor Oklahoma TCU Cincinnati Um, are all undefeated right now. So shout out to all of them. Um, They're all risers. By by our own math there, we can see that they're all risers. Uh, Colorado State is another riser. They beat our beloved Creighton. I started the Trey Alexander National Player of the Year campaign and Colorado State said not so fast and uh, they beat the brakes off of Creighton. I personally did not watch this game, so in my world, this game never happened, um, and I'm and I'm throwing, that's, that's my rule. If I didn't watch it, it didn't happen, um, but I'm sure some Colorado State fans will be fired up about that. They do play Colorado this week. They could beat their in-state rival and send a real message. Colorado is supposed to be a top 25 team. They don't necessarily look the part right now early. We'll see what happens with that, but uh The Rams uh, shout out to them. Big win over Creighton. Any thoughts on Colorado State other than the fact that they they beat the hell out of Creighton? I I mean, I don't even want to talk about Creighton right now, but they are definitely a faller. They have to fall just based on the the uh, metrics.
0: You, you're giving him the Coach K. I'm I'm sick of your fucking face kind of treatment. Is that what you're saying to Creighton right now? You, you I'm just saying bad
1: shooting night. I'm saying th- it's feast week. Everybody wants to get home to their families. They want to eat turkey. Like you're not all the way locked in. You look at the schedule. You say Colorado State. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? I think I'll wash it away with that. that that's my best uh, my best way to feel better about this game. Otherwise, yeah. it's not good.
0: The Colorado State, you know, the fighting David Roddy's, you know, they, I mean, they, they did, they, (laughs) they have, you know, Creighton has no breaks. They beat them off of them, you know, and it Mm -hmm. was right. you were you're right. They have. You know, Colorado State has, uh, you know, Isaiah Stevens, who's a super senior, who's been a guy who's been sort of like a steadying force for them for the past few years. Um, you know, Creighton, like you said, shot terribly. Like Trey, Trey had a horrible game. He's one for sixteen. Baylor Shireman had a horrible game in this one too. He was four for seventeen. It, it even, it even motivated our sweet Baylor to go to Twitter and, and, and tweet out, "They praise you when you win, and then they crucify you when you lose." You know, Oof. that's what, that's what, why you play for an audience of one. So you can get all that stuff out of your head if you just focus on God Um, and regardless of the outcome he's still loved and that's a good that's a good attitude to have from our guy Baylor but you know Creighton fans I'm sure appreciate that you know I'm sure they should share a lot of that value but they're like hey man make some shots. Also, we'd like to have the best of both worlds here. Uh So, you know, on the other side of it, Colorado State fans, I've had a lot of fun with them over the past couple of years, teasing them because I got, to, uh, I, I said Colorado instead of Colorado State. And then I was messing with them and I said, all right, I'm going to say it. No, I'm going to say it wrong every single time. <laughs> and they got really mad. They got a lot of traction. They were like, Ringer writer is asshole. Uh, they didn't understand my sense of humor. Headline so <laughs> that was a, that was a fun back and forth that we I had with them. Didn't expect that to happen. I don't know. Do we think Baylor writes the ship or was this? Did you curse them? You know, for for all time, Tate, with your with your Trey
1: Alexander hype. I sent that tweet to one of the Creighton people in my life, the Baylor Shireman tweet, and they responded, all the people talking shit to Baylor Shireman are Nebraska fans who like Creighton basketball when they win. So I, I just want to say, <laughs> Baylor Shireman, it is not Creighton fans. It's not the Blue Jays that are coming There's, at you. It's not the Blue Jay defenders like me that are coming after you. Um, who's talking yeah.
0: shit to Baylor Shireman? I don't know. It's just funny. He's just I just nice love guy. the idea that Creighton fans are
1: like, it's not us. You know what I mean? Like we, We've we been framed by these Nebraska football fans. Uh, they're, they're trying to use us – Meanwhile, Nebraska basketball, by the way, undefeated. Um, so if there was any time for Nebraska fans to care about Creighton basketball, probably not right now because their team is undefeated. But I'll, I'll leave it there. Baylor Shireman, he's going to be all right. Creighton's going to be all right. Craig McDermott, after the game, was basically said, bad night. Um, wash it away. We'll see what happens. But Creighton technically is a faller uh, by, by that standpoint. Another faller, quickly, i want to talk about, must Bus Arkansas. I mean, the Bahamas was not nice to Arkansas. Uh, Carolina beats them um, in the third place game. Eric Musselman in this game, the Musselman that I know, down eight with like five minutes to go. He's up going crazy, um, you know, chugging water, slapping the floor, like all in players' faces. That was not the case in this game. It felt like, he almost was, had, had resided to the fact that he's like, uh, these guys are either going to sink or swim in this tournament, and we're going to make them run and wear weighted vests when we get back to practice, practice when we get back to, to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they lost that game. And then there's a picture that comes out of them in practice wearing the weighted vests and like basically trying to get post position against the assistant coaches who are just punching them in the back and everything. And then Jalen Williams, who now plays on the Thunder, is like, I just got PTSD from this tweet, the picture that <laughs> came out so like most yeah. bus, bus right now is trying to get things on you know back on track uh Tremont Mark was incredible against Carolina looked like fucking Brandon Jennings from 2009 I've never seen some of, of of the shot making and shout out to him he is healthy um I'm hoping he plays against Duke he had a, a scary fall at the end of the game and the announcers basically acted like it was a lot worse than it turns out it was which thank God um that was the case but Really strange reporting in the moment there, but th- that's a conversation for a different day. But the must bus um, one, are we hitting the panic button? And two, is this exactly what this sandbagger wants because he loves a sandbag, you know what I mean? This is Muscleman, he's a sandbag and sob, and uh, I do think there's a little bit of, of that going on because there is talent there, and Brazil. And Devo Davis just kind of look out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of similar to like R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis looked good in that game at 30 points. But R.J. Davis and Bacot have the same thing going on where it's like Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram are like thumbs up. They look great. What's going on with these guys? Arkansas is the same thing. It's like Tremont Mark and some of the transfers, thumbs up. You guys look great. Devo Davis, uh, Trevon Brazil, what's going on here? Um, So are we worried about the must bus?
0: Uh, the talent level is a little different, like you said. It's kind of similar to the thing where uh, you know, they, they they're importing guys rather, you know, Must famously has kind of like leaned into the transfer portal more than anybody. He's just like, I'll take i I'll kick the tires on any player. But you know, the Must bus last year was more like, you know, it's more of like a prevost you know bus that was like a luxury thing it had Temperpedic bunks it had like a Sono sound system <laughs> you know this year it's been a little more of a greyhound it's been you know there's not a, not as many places to lay back and listen to music at high, high def you know it's a, it's a little bit different type of a bus this year so I think that they to have some upgrades I think they're going to have to have some things um, swing positive I mean Brazil you know was out last year with the ACL I know from personal experience it can take you a little time just to feel comfortable out there with contact. To trust your body, um, you know. Uh, overall, though, I don't know that the te- this team's ceiling is as high. You know, they're not nearly as dynamic or effective in the backcourt as they've been in the past. You know, they're tw- 329th in assists and 301st in steals. So those two, you know, there's a two way sort of ball skills thing that's not quite clicking the way that it last it did last year. And that was a thing that they that was a big advantage that they had against any team. They knew that their guards could kind of com- compete and play with anybody, even though they didn't have crazy size um i think they'll get better because must teams typically do but i just don't think their ceiling is as high
1: yeah, they don't have the talent um, that they did last year, obviously, and I think that's sort of the, the issue with Arkansas fans as they watch this team. They're like, where is Nick Smith? Where where are guys at? You know what I mean? Where's Ricky Council fourth? right? Where, where are the dogs? And um, I do think they still have to figure that out, but I think Mark um, is a really nice piece for them, and I think that they do have enough talent to at least make some noise in the SEC. I'm not done with Arkansas. I'm not officially off the must bus, and like I said, this guy – He knows what he's up to. Um, So shout out to the fallers. Um, Those were some of the fallers. Some other fallers to to shout out quickly. Texas is a faller. Um, They should have lost to Louisville, to be quite honest. And they got lucky to win that game. Um, But they are a team that we're going to talk about, I guess, more in recruiting than we are about this team this year. DePaul. I just feel bad for DePaul. Things are just, you know, even the Big East fans are like, should we cut DePaul from the Big East? You know, that's a conversation that's happening right now, which is ridiculous. Uh, But it is happening, Kyle, man. I don't know if you've seen this. DePaul fans are losing it. Louisville literally
0: had a day there. Like when the day that they would play DePaul was a hol- like a holiday, they tr- mm-hmm. they called it DePaul day. Like that was mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, you feel bad for DePaul. It's not a team that is without, you know, basketball history. And everybody always says the thing like, well, we just recruit Chicago. It's a similar thing with Texas. They're like, if you just recruit Texas, you'll have a good team. It's like, <laughs> it's just not happened. I don't know how they're going to keep, you know, I don't know how they're going to keep the talent in, in house there, keep it in city. Um, yeah, it's rough. I don't. I don't know what. To, I, what what's the coaching change? Who are they going to get to come there? They're going to have to get somebody, either a distressed asset who is like needs somebody to take a chance on them, or you know somebody that's an up and comer that hasn't gotten an opportunity. I don't know how they're going to do it, but uh, they need to do something. It's it's just continuing to be
1: terrible. They need a Chicago guy, like a a true blue Chicago guy. And you mentioned Louisville. Let's talk about them quickly. Kenny Payne avoids uh, a disastrous loss against New Mexico State. New Mexico State, if you didn't keep up with the team last year, go do your Googles because that team uh, was a mess. I mean, it was was going to be a future podcast, murder mystery podcast about that team at some point. We'll see who ends up producing it. But New Mexico State is a mess. And the fact that they went into Louisville to the Yum Center and we're up the entire game, pretty much. I mean, and then it goes to overtime. Louisville's able to survive. Trey White hit a big shot late in that game. Uh, big transfer from USC. I like some of the pieces. I like Sky Clark. Um, but Kenny Payne, It does feel like the the clock is ticking officially. And even though they did win this game, I think he's a faller. And I think Louisville fans, they play Bellarmine next, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That's their next game. And Scott Davenport, the coach there, they're really well coached. They don't dribble the basketball. The ball flies around. Um, That's kind of like the Bellarmine way to play. And I think that could be really, really tough for Louisville to deal with. I mean, hopefully their talent is able to supersede some of that stuff. But if they lose to a local Louisville team like Bellarmine, I think that they're going to come out with the pitchforks and say, "Get this guy out of my face!" Officially, he's he's on the hottest seat possible right now, and that's why guys like Chris Holtman and you know some other names I threw out earlier might be in the conversation for Louisville. But uh, did you watch that game? I mean, it was a fascinating, ridiculous game. <laughs> There's nothing else to say.
0: I mean, the the fans are starting to vote with their with their butts. I mean, like right. they they're starting to kind of send the message where you know, and that that's kind of the last phase I feel like of a coach's kind of uh, exit from a school is when the fan and you know he's he's a guy that is considered it's been interesting just to watch the shift I'm sure people don't you know love to do it he's a beloved guy who went there played for you know title teams has a lot of history there uh, in Louisville's like richest period, and uh, fans just aren't going to the games. Like you're right, and if they if they turn around and they lose to Bellarmine, who like you said is in stylistically a bizarre team to play on on a one. After, you you want some time to prepare for that style, right? Um, and if they lose, a, a, the keyword is again. If they lose again to Bellarmine, um, because they did last year. Uh, if if they lose again to them, um, it. I don't want to say it's the nail in the coffin, but it it might be. Like they
1: might make the move if they lose to Ballerman. They may not have a choice, honestly. Kenny Payne, P A I N, has won seven games as the head coach of Louisville. That's just not good enough. I mean, Louisville is a top ten program in the country, and they have the resources to be top five, even number one, if they want to be. I mean that. That is what they have there. They they have all everything that you would need to be great. Chris Mack, it just kind of just went sideways very quickly. He cut that wrestling promo against Calipari, and that was kind of the, the the first domino into the end there. And since then, it feels like they've been trying to pick up the pieces uh, you know, of the program. And Kenny Payne is a good guy by all accounts. Everybody loves Kenny Payne. Everyone loves telling stories about how great Kenny Payne is. Kenny Payne was nothing but nice to me in Maui. Um I watched their practice. I was very confused by the whole thing, and and I've been confused ever since. You know what I mean? And and I think that's just the issue at hand, and I feel bad for guys like Mike Rutherford who's out there fighting the good fight, trying to get Louisville basketball back on the map, and I think they just need a new direction, a new coach, and, and a new setup in general. So uh, hopefully they figure that out, but he's definitely a faller. Um, Oregon's also a faller. Iowa State's also a faller. Indiana even though they won against Harvard that was an ugly basketball game they are a terrible shooting team they have to figure out their lineup right now they're playing basically three bigs and Baco is going to have to come off the bench so Indiana has more questions than answers we'll I'm sure continue to talk about them. Some of the risers to, to hit on. San Diego State is a riser. Jaden Ladee right now is second in National Player of the Year, according to Kim Palm. Obviously, Zach Eadie is heads and shoulders above everybody else based on his algorithm. But Jaden Ladee, who we mentioned before, he is a baller. He is right now number two in San Diego State, a team coming off a National Championship appearance. They've got things back on track. Um, Fran Dumphy. Um, Shout out to LaSalle. Got a 600th win, 43rd coach in NCAA history to have 600 or more wins. That was cool to see. We got LaSalle playing. uh, We got Fran Dunphy and Coach K in a little like side shot this week. That was nice to see. Love the old tip of the cap to the old coaches. So that was fun. So Dunphy, shout out to him. And one last shout out to the risers, Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino had Kevin Durant sitting courtside in Queens, New York against Holy Cross. Now, that might not mean much to some people. But it means a lot to me because I I cannot believe that Rick Pitino is pulling off these type of brand play. He's doing court side seats like he's playing in the garden. You know what I mean? But he's playing in Queens, New York. That is not an easy trip for anybody, especially not for Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman who went out there and made that trip. So the fact that that's happening, the fact that they still got juice despite, you know, some early losses in the season. This is good. This is good momentum. We need that for the program. We need that for our show in general because we need Rick Pitino to be great. That's what we're pulling for. So uh the big win over Holy Cross. I don't know if you watched this game, but um our boss Bill Simmons was not happy about it. He 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 got burned by the rictator again. It was like first it was the Celtics and trading Chauncey Billups, and now this. Um, so so uh shout out to all the Holy Cross fans out there. I know that they're reeling at this point.
0: Yeah, uh it had to be a tough day. Uh I, the, the Durant thing is wild. Uh that mm-hmm. that's that he got him. I think those are the kinds of things that kind of get a little brand momentum. You know, I know you're all I I was praising your masterful sort of brand uh you're you're the brand wizard, Tate. But I was joking with you that like you know, Patino can't be happy with the fact that St. John's is 221st in the country in defensive rating. Uh, so <laughs> not, not a t- yeah, not a <laughs> typical Patino team in that sense. They're still kind of finding their footing, but it seems like we're we're steadily kind of climbing upward. It's not always linear, man. Sometimes the sometimes the ride dips and then it goes up. You know, it's uh, it's not always linear.
1: Yeah, it's never linear, uh, especially when it comes to Rick Patino. It's always going to be a roller coaster, to say the least. But uh, those are the risers, the fallers we hit, the ballers quickly, the ones I missed, Harrison Ingram, North Carolina. I think he's the best player on the team. And uh, I even had some NBA people texting me this weekend about Harrison Ingram, his versatility. They like him at the next level. These were not conversations that were happening two or three weeks ago. So shout out to him going to the Bahamas, showing some toughness, some some tenacity, um, some fight, him playing out of the post, being able to get his own shot or find shooters in the corner. Uh, It was electric down the stretch. I mean, they basically just decided, hey, let's just get Harrison Ingram the ball against Arkansas and good things will happen. And that's what did happen. So Harrison Ingram, happy birthday to him as well. Looked great out there. Um, Another guy I want to shout out that's a baller. Reed Shepard continues to be a baller. Uh, Calipari, I mean, he's in love with them. I think you and I both love him. I think, you know, Antonio Reeves, DJ Wagner, all these other guys we're going to talk about, Justin Edwards, but I still go back to Reed Shepard. I still still keep going back to the well. So he's a baller I wanted to shout out. RJ Davis bought out 30 points. John L. Davis for FAU bought out. Dusty May, also a riser. Um, they get things back together, you know, after losing to Bryan, after losing to Martelli Jr., they get it together. Um, and then one last one, Malik Mack out of Harvard, uh, playing against Indiana. This guy. Is a freshman from the DMV. In my opinion, he should probably be playing at Maryland or Georgetown or somewhere, but he's at Harvard right now playing for Tommy Amaker, and he looked incredible um, in that game against Indiana, and I think, you know, I, I don't know how these draft boards work, and I don't know if he even checks the boxes of an NBA guy at this point, but... I wanted to shout him out because uh, I watched that Indiana Harvard game and I was trying to make sense of Indiana, really. But uh, in 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 doing that, it led me to this man, Malik Max. So um, yeah, Harvard's got a baller out there. So there you go. We got the risers, we got the fallers, we got the ballers. Is there anybody else in, in any of those categories, Kyle, man, That you're like uh, we forgot about this guy? I know Jalen Warley for Florida State was another name that some people threw out at me that should be um, you know on this list. So let's throw him in there. He'll be a baller, Leonard ha- Leonard. Hamilton um you know gets some gets a nice little momentum there beating Colorado so that was nice we'll put him on the risers anybody else for you Kyle man? Uh, I was really dialed in on the on the F, uh, the Florida Atlantic thing,
0: just kind of keeping an eye on them. They had a heck of a week. I mean, they beat two power. They beat the crap out of Virginia Tech, and then they beat Texas A yep. and M pretty handily. Um, it, just getting back into their rhythm and flow. Um, you know, uh, Elijah Martin's been playing a little bit better. John L. You know, John L. Davis. He and he and Martin together combined for you know eleven for twenty one from three against Texas A and M. Wow. Um, they just you know you're talking about just sort of like you know getting these just sort of chunk scores not necessarily all of it coming from one place but they just um they look great and uh shout out to i want to shout out really quickly buzz williams his his look <laughs> his fit uh you know he he went with the hair he grew the hair back everybody was like we thought you were bald maybe they thought he got hair you know transplant surgery he was like <laughs> no i've just intentionally shaved my hair like this for years and everybody was like what why would you do that that's weird uh but now this year he's he's upped it again he's got sort of like the chin goatee thing i had that when i was like twenty twenty one. One, you know the big thick one on the bottom uh mm-hmm. he's got kind of a mugatu thing going on <laughs> um maybe you know maybe we'll call you know buzz williams mugatu this year mr Mugatu. Yeah, just an idea right. just an idea
1: i like that i like that buzz i remember buzz told this story i don't i don't remember where what was. maybe it was a post game or a pot you know it all kind of blends together but he told the story of his hair he basically was like i got my hair cut twice a week Um, like he got his head buzzed twice a week, um, you know, for 16 years or however many years, whatever it was. And, uh, his wife, when they had like their fourth kid or third kid, whatever it was, was like, you know, we need money for di-. This is like, obviously a very coach story. I mean, who knows how, you know, we need money for diapers. You're like, you're a millionaire. I think you're all right. But he's like, we need money for diapers. Is what my wife was telling me. So I had to cut back on the haircuts because we had to use my haircut money for diaper money. Um, and once I made that decision, you know, then his hair started growing out. And then he said his daughter, I guess his older do- oldest daughter was 16 or 15 or whatever it was so she had never seen him with hair so when he started growing hair because he wasn't getting the haircut she was like you know thrown thrown off by the whole situation and she was like dad what what is going on here da 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 so buzz williams uh, has always been able to to do the makeover. You know what I mean? He's always down for that. And I do think it helps. Like when Shaka got his hair back, he got some sort of juice. You know what I mean? And it's also cool for the bald community. And shout out to Larry David. I feel like he's the one that's fighting on the front lines. But if you really think about it, the, your favorite person probably is bald. Like My favorite person is Michael Jordan bald you know my second person is probably fucking larry david you know bald so the fact that these guys have made a choice to be bald i think is one very respected and also like i have like a tip of the cap salute the service kind of a kind of outlook on this so buzz williams at texas a&m uh, shout out to you you're making things happen and 7-1 to and winning games without a full roster um, that's good when you look for you know look ahead to what's going to happen in the sec so that's great Uh, quickly just a a couple shout outs a lot of undefeated teams out there want to shout out Bradley in the Missouri Valley Missouri Valley I think they're a team that no one's talking about right now that's undefeated they look great Mississippi State is a team in the SEC and Ole Miss in the SEC both undefeated right now so Mississippi officially a basketball state so shout out to both of them and then um, James Madison obviously, James Madison is a team that we've all been locked in on. And I think that they have a couple guys that could be NBA guys, potentially. So uh, th- those are just some quick shout outs. Um, Kyle, man, we got a big week of college basketball ahead. We got some great games coming up. We got uh, Miami at Kentucky. And, you know, my sources are telling me you're going to be at this game as a media member. Is that true? Is that actually happening? Who are your sources
0: on that? That's really, I don't even know how you found
1: that out. <laughs> Our That's producer, a, the, Kyle, but he we oh. don't know where he is now. He, he, he's lost. <laughs> it's a shame either.
0: <laughs> it's a shame we didn't get Kyle this week because he bought uh, he bought the I wanted to see his St. John's shirt that was the yeah thing. you know he he actually he he submitted John's. money where his mouth is literally yeah I'm gonna he's back in New
1: York right now he, he's like close to home he's close to
0: Queens so maybe he goes to a game that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered if we'd see him courtside with KD there. And uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> funny thing, I like tried to sneak very quickly. I tried to sneak a picture of Rich Kleiman at All-Star Weekend last year. So I have this photo of him looking like a villain from, you know, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and he's like clearly sees me taking the picture off the tweet tweeted tweet it out. Uh, anyway, please. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna be at the Miami game. You and I were talking about it. it's funny before the season there was a lot of griping about the the picks and the matchups, and people were like, Oh, why don't we play? Blah, blah, blah. Turns out this is right. This is the one you wanted. You know, I I think this is the the best possible matchup between the two. And I I think the style styles make fights. I think this is going to be two sort of uh, these two teams are going to kind of flow together. And I don't know what the over-under for total points will be in this game. I mean, I feel like it's probably going to be like, 165. I mean, we go. <laughs> yeah, as high. Right. I mean, it's gonna be. There's yeah. gonna be a lot of scoring in this game. I will be. It'll be interesting to see if Kentucky can stop Miami at all, and vice versa. Because Kentucky had the best offensive performance of the Cal era, one of the best ones I've ever seen at Kentucky. The other night, they had 100 points with like eight minutes left. It was something mm. crazy like that. So uh, it's gonna be a very fun game, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, excited to go.
1: Yeah, Kentucky won the race to sixty nine in the first half in that game, which uh, you know I have I don't think I've seen that happen uh, from a blue blood or any t- program to be quite honest with you. So shout out to Kentucky, that's going to be a great game. We got some other great games: UConn at Kansas on December first. We got Tennessee at North Carolina. That's the other big game in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Duke at Arkansas, obviously, kind of lost a little bit of luster with the must bus struggling in the Bahamas, but still should be a good game. USC Gonzaga out in Las Vegas, the Legends Championship. Shout out to the Legends, by the way. I got my uh, I got my right here the Legends uh, that's their tournaments all the uh, NBA former players have their little group the 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 retired players association so that'll be fun um yeah and then we got Clemson Alabama which I think is going to be under the radar really good game as well so A lot of good games this week. Feast week is over, but it doesn't mean college basketball is stopping. we still got good stuff going on. Also, RIP the ACC Big Ten Challenge, officially done, kaput. Uh, Don't have to hear that conversation anymore. I like where we're going in college basketball, Kyle, man. I like handshake deal here, SEC-ACC Challenge. Um, We'll see how I feel after the games are actually played, but going into it, I feel really good about it. I think it's going to be good for college basketball. going to be good for both conferences because the SEC and the ACC – I feel like eventually there's going to be a merger. I think there's going to be something that happens down in the South uh, where both these conferences say it's good for everybody for us to, uh, maybe they keep the name the SEC or they change it to the SCC. Who knows what happens with that? Um, But something's going to happen there, and I think this might be uh, the start of a beautiful friendship between these two conferences. So we'll see what happens. Shout out to uh, the ACC and the SEC for making it happen. Um, Anything else, Kyle, man, before we get out of here? Uh, no man. I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I think we covered a lot. <laughs> we covered a lot today. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Feast Week was a great time. Great Feast Week. Excited for next year. The Bahamas is going to be great next year. Maui's going to be great next year. We got a lot of great college basketball coming up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and we will see you on Friday. Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Again, you must be 21 and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit VANDUEL.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, one 800 9 Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY in New York.